The following reading is taken from a book found at chiesaviva.com. I'll put the link in the description of this video. And it is entitled, Our Lady Condemns Masonry, and is on the approved apparitions of Our Lady of Good Success. This appeared in the February 2009 issue of Chiesa Viva. And it is written by Dr. Franco Adessa. It was the year 1563 in the Basque province of Vizcaya, near to the border with France, into an aristocratic family of Spain, Maria Francisca de Jesus Torres y Bericoa was born as a daughter of Diego Torres and Maria Bericoa, both devout Catholics. Mariana was endowed with rare beauty, quick intelligence, a sweet nature, and above all, a strong inclination toward virtue. From infancy, Mariana rejected all the childless games of youth to secretly retire to the church of her baptism, which was close to her home. Her mother would often find her prostrate there before the tabernacle. At the age of seven, a fire broke out in the church, destroying it and damaging her house and paternal property, precipitating the family into poverty. The parents of the young girl found themselves obliged to leave Vizcaya and to relocate themselves and their three children to Santiago of Galicia in, a northern, in the northwestern part of Spain. One day, prostrate at the foot of the tabernacle with her heart inflamed with burning desire to unite herself to Jesus, in Holy Communion, Mariana exclaimed aloud, Oh, my love, when will that day arrive when I might unite myself to you in Holy Communion? Instantly, she heard a voice coming from the tabernacle. Whatever day you desire, my daughter, for your heart is even now prepared. Unveiling the secret of this dialogue to a Franciscan priest, with his instruction, she began to prepare for this great day. On December 8th, 1572, at the age of nine, Mariana received her first Holy Communion. Upon her first embrace with Jesus, the torrent of divine love in her heart overwhelmed her and she fell into ecstasy. She saw our Immaculate Mother who explained to her the grandeur of the vow of virginity. She taught her the meaning of such a vow and instructed Mariana to make it, for that her heavenly queen had destined her to be a religious of her immaculate conception. Then she saw in the tabernacle the three persons of the Most Holy Trinity and St. Joseph. She pronounced the solemn vow of chastity, repeating the words taught to her by Our Lady. When she was finished, the Eternal Father blessed the union of Mariana and his Holy Son, who asked her to walk the road of sacrifice and love. The leading families of Quito, along with many inhabitants of the city, met a group of friars to petition the King of Spain to found the first convent of the Immaculate Conception of the New World in their colony. The King, Philip II, in 1566, issued the royal edict for the foundation of the convent of the Immaculate Conception of Quito dedicated to praying the divine office and devoted to the religious education and formation of the Spanish daughters and criollas of the Spanish colony. 
the king himself sent from Spain the first group of founding mothers, and he placed at their head the Reverend Mother Maria de Jesus de Taboada, related to the royal family and Aunt Mariana. As soon as Mariana heard of the foundation of this new convent, she understood Jesus' words when he was inviting her to leave her paternal home to join him. The founding Mother Maria decided to take Mariana with her and a few days before taking leave upon receiving Holy Communion, she had a vision of Jesus who explained to her, My spouse, the time has already arrived for you to bid an eternal farewell to your motherland and to your paternal home. Eagerly coveting your beauty, I will bring you to my house where behind strong walls you will live far from flesh and blood hidden and forgotten by all human creatures. For your inheritance and patrimony, you will have, in imitation of me, the cross and great sufferings. Strength and courage will not be lacking to you. I desire only that your will be always prepared to do mine. In 1576, no sooner did Mother Maria, the other four founding mothers, and Mariana embark for Ecuador when a tempest of unimaginable fury came over the ocean. The clear sky of day suddenly darkened, being transformed into a most disastrous night. The ship began to sink, and the frightened sailors, rendering their efforts futile, cried out that this terrible tempest would bury them all in the ocean's bottomless tomb. Thinking to be the to be cause of such disaster, Mariana joined her aunt to pray to God for his mercy. Then both Mother Maria and Mariana beheld a vision. From out of the ocean, a monstrous serpent with seven heads arose, stirring up the waters of the sea and attempting to destroy and sink her ship. Mariana fainted. However, Mother Maria continued her entreaties to heaven, and upon completion of her prayer, suddenly the light of the day made a breach in the darkness and the tempest calmed down. God had answered her prayer. When Mariana woke up, she told her aunt that she has seen a serpent larger than the sea, and then a lady of incomparable beauty appeared, clothed in the sun, crowned with stars, carrying a beautiful child in her arms, and over her heart a monstrance of the Blessed Sacrament. In her hand, she carried a large cross of gold, which had a sharp lance at its end. The lady, with the help of the Blessed Sacrament and the hand of the child, struck the head of the serpent with the end of this cross so forcefully that the serpent was slashed to pieces. Two years later, Mother Maria ordered to strike a cloth medallion showing the scene of Mariana's vision, and since that time, the conceptionists wear it on the breast of their habit. The founding sisters arrived in Quito on December 30th, 1576. On January 13th, 1577, the convent was founded. The spiritual and temporal government of the religious was placed in the hands of Reverend Father Antonio Guardo, who received the vows of obedience of the founding mothers. All the inhabitants of Quito joined in the solemn celebration of the convent of the Immaculate Conception in their colony. 
On completing her 15th year, September 8, 1577, Mariana entered the novitiate, beginning the year of probation under the guidance of her aunt and the friar's minor. On October 4, 1579, after observing two years of religious life, practicing all virtues and strictly following the rule, Mariana made her religious profession at the hands of her abbess, Mother Maria. As she, finally as she finished pronouncing her vows, she fainted in ecstasy. Thus, at the same time, Mother Maria accepted her profession. Mariana heard the Eternal Father repeating the words of her aunt, If you are faithful in this, I promise you eternal life. She then saw our Lord, who, with ineffable majesty and sweetness, then espoused himself to her, placing on the finger of her right hand a beautiful ring with four precious stones. On each stone was written one of the four vows, poverty, obedience, chastity, and cloister. Our Lord addressed her, saying, My spouse, I desire for you a life of immolation. Your life will be a continuous martyrdom. Apparition of the Most Holy Trinity It was the year 1582. One day, after a particularly bitter incident with one of her sisters, Mother Mariana went to the feet of Jesus Christ, communicating to him her torment and begging him for fortitude. While she was talking to Jesus, at a moment she heard an overwhelming sound and saw that the whole church had become immersed in darkness, as from dust and smoke. Looking up, Sister Mariana saw the main altar illuminated by full day. The tabernacle opened, and Christ himself emerged, suffering, as on Golgotha in his agony with the Blessed Virgin, St. John, and Mary Magdalene at his feet. Seeing this, the humble virgin, Believing herself to be at fault, prostrated herself on the ground with her arms extended in the form of a cross, exclaiming, Lord, I am the guilty one. Punish me and pardon your people. Her guardian angel made her rise, saying, No, you are not to blame. Arise and approach, for God desires to reveal to you a great secret. She arose, and seeing the tears of the Most Holy Virgin, she addressed her, saying, My lady, am I to blame for thy sadness? No, it is not you, but the criminal world. Then, as our Lord agonized, she heard the voice of the Eternal Father saying, This punishment will be for the twentieth century. Then she saw three swords over the head of Christ. On each was written, I shall punish heresy. I shall punish impiety. I shall punish impurity. And she was given to understand all that would take place in the 20th century. The Holy Virgin continued, My daughter, will you sacrifice yourself for the people of this time? I am willing, Mariana replied. Immediately, the swords moved away from the agonizing Christ and buried themselves in the heart of Sister Mariana, causing her a mystical death from the violence of the pain. She appeared before God's justice. 
our Lord presented her with two crowns, one of immortal glory of indescribable beauty, the other of white lilies surrounded by thorns. And he said, My spouse, choose one of these crowns. She had to choose between the glory of paradise and the glory of her return to earth for suffering as a sacrificial victim to placate the divine justice for the heresies, impieties, and impurities that will be committed in the 20th century. Reassured by the Virgin Mary's words and her promise of help in this terrible test, Sister Mariana replied, My lady and mother, may the divine will be accomplished in me. After these words, Mariana chose with humility and resignation the crown of lilies surrounded with thorns and returned to the world to suffer. The First Apparition of Our Lady On September 17, 1588, Sister Mariana was saying her customary prayers at midnight, when suddenly her body shuddered so violently that she could not help but cry out. Taken to bed, her body was examined and it was discovered that on each palm of her hands was something similar to a hole into which something had been driven. The same was present on the soles of her feet in the very place where the spikes had been driven into the feet of our Lord. On her heart was a purple bruise and red mark as if it had been wounded by a sword. The next morning, the doctor examined her carefully and said she was completely debilitated. The marrow of her bones dried up, her body paralyzed. The only movement he could find was the beating of her heart. This infirmity lasted for one year, and in the first months to the physical suffering were added the spiritual ones. One day, on her bed of pain, she suddenly heard a dreadful clamor in the cell. She opened her eyes and saw a hideous serpent writhing and twisting in her cell crawling frantically on the walls, as if pursued by someone trying to drive him away. Her pain increased and her spirit was overwhelmed with despair. All the heroic acts of her life seemed criminal to her. Her good works appeared as works of perdition. Her very vocation and illusion and sham by which she had delivered herself to eternal damnation. In this woeful interior state, when it seemed to her that her soul would detach itself from her body from the violence of her suffering and sink like lead into hell, she mustered all her strength, crying out, Star of the stormy sea, Mary most immaculate, the weak vessel of my soul is sinking. The waters of tribulation are drowning me. Save me, for I am perishing. Before she had pronounced the last word, she saw a celestial light around her and felt a loving hand touching her head. At the same time, she heard a sweet voice that said, Why do you fear, my daughter? Do you know that I am with you in your tribulation? Rise up and look at me. The humble religious raised herself up in her bed and saw a lady of great majesty and grandeur who breathed sweetness and love. She asked, Who are you, beautiful lady? I am the mother of heaven whom you invoked. I have come to dissipate the darkness of the night of your soul. 
For your Lord and God has destined for you great and auspicious things during your lifetime. Now, I will impart life to your nerves, veins, and arteries, and I will dispel the infernal spirit serpents. As she finished speaking, the enormous serpent emitted a horrible scream of despair and hurled himself into hell with such a great roar that it caused the earth to tremble throughout the convent and the city of Quito. Mariana still remained in her bed, suffering acute pains, and her health continued to worsen until September 1589. The second Wednesday of the month, at nine o'clock in the morning, her agony began. Her agony continued up to Friday. At 3.30 o'clock in the afternoon, Sister Mariana breathed her last breath. Her funeral was set for the next Monday. The next morning, the sisters of the convent directed their steps to the choir to pray the little office. When they arrived, they saw Sister Mariana praying there. In 1592, Mother Maria, the abbess of the convent for 15 years, fell severely sick, and Sister Mariana was elected to take her place. But after the death of the founding mother, 1593, a group of rebel sisters was formed. The plots of these sisters aimed at separating the convent from the friars minor, giving the jurisdiction to the Bishop of Quito. The resulting deterioration of the conventional life spread terrible suffering and the slanders and false accusations reached the point of trials in behalf of the presumed guilty sisters. Second Apparition of Our Lady On the morning of February 2, 1594, with the heart filled with bitterness and pain, Mother Mariana was praying prostrate to the ground in the upper choir of her convent. She was beseeching our Lord through the intercession of his blessed mother to stop these trials through which her beloved convent was passing and for an end to the many sins being committed in the world. During this long penitential act, she perceived the presence of someone before her. Her heart was perturbed, but a sweet voice called her name. She rose rapidly and saw before her a most beautiful lady who carried the child Jesus in her left arm and in her right, a polished gold crozier adorned with precious stones of unearthly beauty. With her heart filled with joy and happiness, she said, beautiful lady, who art thou and what dost thou want? Dost thou not know that I am but a poor sister filled with love for God most surely, but also overflowing with pain and sorrow? The lady answered, I am Mary of good success, the queen of heaven and earth. It is because you are a religious soul filled with love of God and his mother that I am speaking to you now. I have come from the heaven to console your afflicted heart. Your prayers, tears, and penances are most pleasing to our celestial father. The Holy Ghost, who consoles your spirit and sustains you in your tribulations, formed from three drops of the blood of my heart the most beautiful child of mankind. For nine months, I, virgin and mother, carried him in my most pure womb. 
in the stable in Bethlehem, I gave birth to him and lay him to rest on the cold straw. As his mother, I carry him here in my left arm, so that together we might restrain the hand of divine justice, which is always so ready to chastise this unfortunate and criminal world. In my right arm, I carry the crozier that you see, for I desire to govern this convent as abbess and mother. Soon the Franciscan friars will no longer govern this convent, which is why my patronage and protection are more necessary than ever, for this difficult trial will last for centuries. With this separation, Satan will begin to try to destroy this work of God, making use of my ungrateful daughters. But he will not succeed, because I am the queen of victories and the mother of good success. And it is under this invocation I desire to be known throughout time for the preservation of my convent and its inhabitants. Now, I desire to give you strength and encouragement. Do not allow suffering to discourage you, for you will live a long time on this earth for the glory of God and his mother, who speaks to you now. My most holy son desires to give you every type of supper and to infuse you with the, with the valor that you will need. I take him from my arms. Receive him in your own. Hold him to your weak and imperfect heart. The most holy virgin placed the divine child in the arms of the happy religious, who embraced him next to her heart and caressed him fondly. As she did so, she felt within herself a strong desire to suffer. The spirit of rebellion and of non-observance of the rule turned against Mother Mariana. In 1595, the rebel sisters opposed her re-election to Abbas, electing instead Mother Magdalene. Furthermore, aggravating their relationship with the Friars Minor, in 1598, they achieved the separation of the convent from them and obtained the jurisdiction of the Bishop of Quito. The long period of time, ranging from 1599 to 1610, was the most dramatic and turbulent period for the convent. Mother Mariana and the founding mother were slandered, humiliated, persecuted, tried, and several times sent to prison. Third Apparition of Our Lady it was in the prison of the convent that Our Lady chose to appear again. It happened January 16, 1599. In a brilliant light, Mother Mariana saw appearing a most beautiful lady who said, I am Mary of good success, an invocation well known in Spain, and one to whom you have often resorted. The tribulation that my most holy son has given you is a celestial gift to embellish your soul and to hold back the divine ire, so ready to unleash a terrible chastisement upon this ungrateful colony. How many hidden crimes are committed in it? In a short time, the country in which you live will cease to be a colony and will become a free republic. Then, known by the name of Ecuador, it will need heroic souls to sustain it in the face of so many public and private calamities. Here, in this convent, God will always find these souls like hidden violets. Accursed would be Quito without this convent. 
The most powerful king on earth, with all his riches, could not erect new buildings on this site, for this place belongs to God. In the 19th century, a truly Christian president, Garcia Moreno, will come, a man of character whom God our Lord will give the palm of martyrdom on the square adjoining this convent of mine. He will consecrate the Republic of Ecuador to the sacred heart of my most holy son, and this consecration will sustain the Catholic religion in the years that will follow, which will be ill-fated ones for the church. These years during which the accursed sect of Masonry will take control of the civil government, will see a cruel persecution of all religious communities, and will also strike out violently against this one of mine. Note, the caption under the portrait on this page says, quote, Portrait of Gabriel Garcia Moreno, Catholic President of the Republic of Ecuador. For having consecrated Ecuador to the Sacred Heart of Jesus, he was murdered by masonry. But for his courageous and deeply Christian act, God has preserved his heart, which, after more than 130 years from death, is still incorrupted. These unfortunate men will think the convent destroyed, but God lives, and I live, and we will raise up powerful defenders and set before these enemies difficulties impossible to conquer, and the triumph will be ours. Thus, it is the wish of my most holy son that you command a statue of me to be made, just as you see me now, and that you place it upon the abbess's chair, so that I may govern my convent. In my right hand, place the crozier and the keys to the cloister as a sign of my proprietorship and authority. In my left arm, place my divine child, first, so that the men understand how powerful I am in placating the divine justice and obtaining mercy and pardon for every sinner who comes to me with a contrite heart. For I am the mother of mercy, and in me there is only goodness and love. And second, so that throughout time my daughters will understand that I am showing and giving them my most holy son and their God as a model of religious perfection. They should come to me, for I will lead them to him. To Mother Mariana's doubts that even the most skilled sculptor could not make such a statue, Our Lady responded, My daughter, I agree to what you said. My servant Francis, with his own wounded hands, will carve my statue, and the angelic spirits will assist him. He himself will place, on, will place me on his cord, the symbol of all his sons and daughters who belong so closely to me. As for the height of my form, you yourself will measure me with a seraphic cord that you wear around your waist. Bring your cord to me and place one end of it in my hand. Then you should touch the other end of it to my foot. Here, my daughter, you have the measurement of the height of your heavenly mother. Tell this to my servant, Francisco del, del Castillo, and describe to him my features and bearing. He will do the exterior work of, on my statue. In this period, Mother Mariana had been jailed again with the founding mothers. But the same year, the Bishop of Quito, after an inquiry about the facts happened in the convent, Having realized his mistakes, wrote a note to Mother Mariana in which he stated, 
I order your reverence to be now and forever the one who governs and rules the convent, above even the governing abbess, who should consult you in everything and seek your counsel in all she does, obeying you as mother and founder. The charity of Mother Mariana toward the rebel sisters, and particularly for their leader, moved her to ask our Lord to receive the needed punishments to save her soul. So in 1601, the rebel sister fell severely ill and was cured with care by Mother Mariana, who started a five-year period of expiation suffering for the rebel soul she wanted to save. At the conclusion of this period, the rebel sister died and, straight after, Mother Mariana was elected abbess for the third time, from 1606 until 1609, and again for the fourth time from 1609 to 1612. The Devotion of Our Lady of Good Success Mary of Good Success, Virgin of Good Success, or Our Lady of Good Success, was an invocation well known in Spain. The tracks of this invocation dates back to the time of wars of liberation from the Muslims. It is to the Buen Suceso that a magnificent altar was devoted by the victorious El Cid upon entering triumphant in the city of Amarana. The meaning of the term Buen Suceso, or Good Success, is the miracle or supernatural intervention of the Mother of God calls in which she intercedes in favor of her children. It is the extraordinary event that converts an image of stone or wood into a door to God or gate to heaven. The Virgin of Good Success was patroness of San, Sangonto Valencia. It is a marble statue of 40 centimeters in height, which is venerated in the convent of the religious servite of the city. Legend says that the statue appeared floating on the waters of the sea, surrounded by five stars. Over time, other invocations of Our Lady were transformed into that of good success. In the area of Tribero Castellon, the people were venerating, as patroness of those lands, the version of the source of health, found, according to tradition, by two pastors, Anastasio and Jaime Sordoli in 1384. This invocation had been changed into that of Our Lady of Good Success. In the area of Cabanas Castellon, to the mother of a seriously sick child, Francisco Gavalda, the future Bishop of Segorbe, one day happened that as she was praying before the Virgin of the Rosary, she saw that the statue began to sweat. Mother wiped the perspiration of the statue with a cloth, then placed it under the pillow of her son. The next morning, the child woke up completely healed. Good success, first of many good successes that followed, gave rise to the change of name of the sacred statue. Most importantly, however, the authoritative seal placed on the invocation of Our Lady of Good Success, which has been crucial to the success promotion of her devotion originated directly from the will of a pope, Paul V, 1065 to 1621. Bernardino de Obregón was a young Spaniard, rich and proud. One day in 1567, 
He was so taken by the humility of a poor passerby that he changed his life and decided to devote himself to serving the poor and the sick. With the approval of the nuncio and the king Philip II of Spain, he founded, under the rule of the Third Order of St. Francis of Palua, the religious congregation of minimums for assistance to the sick, which served mainly in hospitals. The vows were to chastity, poverty, obedience, and hospitality. In 1599, Obregón died and was buried in the General Hospital of Madrid, where his Obregones were working. The successor, Brother Gabriel de Fontant, along with Brother Guillermo de Regosa in 1606, went to Rome to ask the Pope for the approval of the extension of the jurisdiction from the city of Madrid to the entire country of Spain. They made the journey on foot, as they have traveled past Valencia, near the border with Catalonia, crossing the Sierra of Valdanta between Traguera and Castellon. The two brothers lost their way, and a terrible storm came upon them during the night. Praying to find a safe place to die, as they both feared that storm's fury would cause their death, they beheld a bright light high in the mountain range. They decided to climb toward this light. Upon doing so, they not only beheld this beautiful light within a cave, but a shrine to the Mother of God with fragrant flowers of rare beauty growing there. As they entered the cave, they discovered a statue of a smiling Virgin Mary with the child Jesus in the left arm, a scepter in his right hand, and a wonderful crown encircling on her head. The statue was rather small, only 53 centimeters high, with the child Jesus of 11 centimeters tall. They both had brown hair, black eyes, flesh-colored skin. The statue was made of cypress wood. Not only was there something miraculous in this discovery, but the wonder of the two brothers was that they could not be able to imagine who could sculpture a work of art of such beauty and perfection. They placed the statue in a basket and continued their journey to Rome. Pope Paul V received the two brothers and heard the story of the discovery of the statue. Understanding the supernatural nature of the event, he knelt down, put his pectoral cross around the neck of the statue, embraced and kissed her and exclaimed, Look, she smiles. Why is she smiling? What a good success you have achieved with this trip. There is no doubt that Our Lady has decided to protect you and support you in your work. So I am not the one to go against her. May your wishes have a good success. Then Pope Paul V blessed the statue, granted her many indulgences, gave her the name of Our Lady of Good Success, and commanded that her devotion had to be promoted at once. In memory of the pectoral cross which Paul V placed on Our Lady of Good Success, he authorized the friars of the order to use a cloth cross on their black tunic. At the end, Paul V decreed that the religious congregation of minimums for assistance to the sick was erected to religious order. On their return journey, the two brothers arrived in Valencia, which was in the grip of the plague. They discovered that nine of the twelve brothers died by contagion. They continued for Madrid and placed a sacred statue above the altar of the church at the General Hospital until, in charge of the Royal Hospital care of the court, 
at the Puerto del Sol in Madrid replaced the statue in its infirmary. The hospital, founded by King Ferdinand and Isabella of Castile, for the assistance and care of infected soldiers, was enlarged by the Emperor Charles V in 1529. King Philip II personally traced out the plan of its small church, and the hospital and the church were declared royal patronage. On June 6, 1611, King Philip II made the dedication of the new church and, in the presence of the queen and the whole court, placed the statue of Our Lady of Good Success in the church above the third chapel. Then, on September 19, 1641, the solemn ceremony, the sacred statue, which gave its name to the hospital of the court and to its church, was placed above the main altar. The church received considerable privileges. It was made a parish, depending on the Patriarch of the Indies, as major chapel of the kings and of the vicar general of the armies and the armed forces. The statue remained in this church at the Puerta del Sol in Madrid for about 200 years. It was moved during the horrors, the massacres, and the destruction of the Spanish Succession War, when foreign armies invaded Spain and, in the courtyard of the hospital, many heroes of Madrid were shot. Following the ruins caused by war, the sacred statue was placed in a niche of the Church of the Good Success until when, in 1832, was moved first to the Royal College of Our Lady of Loreto, then in the chapel of the Royal Palace. The area of the hospital, the court, and its church was assigned for other uses, and so over the years in those places, new and magnificent buildings had risen. There was a project to rebuild the church of the hospital of good success in an area called Prado before the botanical garden, but the idea was abandoned. It was Queen Isabella II who insisted that the idea of rebuilding the church dedicated to the good success was not abandoned. So this was erected in the district of Pozas in 1868 before the hospital Central Del Air, the military hospital. Even if not so large and magnificent as it was planned in the original draft of reconstruction. King Philip III placed there the sacred statue with a privilege unmatched in Spain and in the world. This was the only church in the world where the mass was celebrated from 5 a.m. until 2 p.m. Even in Rome itself, there was no church holding such a privilege. Fourth Apparition of Our Lady On January 21, 1610, Mother Mariana was praying when suddenly the choir was inundated with celestial splendor. Amid this refulgent brilliance, she saw the arrival of three archangels, St. Gabriel, St. Michael, and St. Raphael, who had preceded the apparition of Our Lady to illuminate the intelligence, to strengthen the weak heart, and cure the blindness of Mother Mariana. After the celestial messengers departed, Mother Mariana remained prostrated to the ground until two o'clock in the morning, when the celestial queen, carrying in her arms the divine child, appeared and addressed her with these words. Arise from the ground upon which you lay, favored daughter of my maternal heart and beloved spouse of my divine child. Your humility has attracted my heart just as the pride that reigns in this poor colony separates it from me. But because I have faithful and loving daughters in this convent, 
and among them, you, my chosen one, I come as always to confide to you my secrets. After talking to her about the religious unfaithful who would live in the convent throughout the course of the centuries, of their in inventorate lukewarmness and deafness to any grace, inspiration, charitable counsel, and warning of the chastisements to which they would incur, Our Lady told her, Thus, I make it known to you that from the end of the 19th century and from shortly after the middle of the 20th century, in what is today the colony and will then be the Republic of Ecuador, the passions will erupt and there will be a total corruption of customs. For Satan will reign almost completely by means of the Masonic sects. They will focus principally on the children in order to sustain this general corruption. Woe to the children of these times. It will be difficult to receive the sacrament of baptism and also the sacrament of confirmation. They will receive the sacrament of confession only if they remain in Catholic schools, for the devil will make a great effort to destroy it through persons in position of authority. The same thing will happen with the sacrament of Holy Communion. Alas, how deeply I grieve to manifest to you the many enormous sacrileges, both public as well as secret, that will occur from profanation of the Holy Eucharist. Often, during this epoch, the enemies of Jesus Christ, instigated by the devil, will steal consecrated hosts from the churches so that they might profane the Eucharistic species. My most holy son will see himself cast upon the ground and trampled upon thy filthy feet. But in those times you will already be known as well as the favors that I'm bestowing on you. How I love the fortunate inhabitants of the sacred place and that knowledge will stimulate love and devotion to my sacred statue. For this reason today, I authoritatively order you to have this statue made. Let it be sculptured just as you see me and placed upon the abbess's chair so that from there I may govern it and direct my daughters and defend my convent. For Satan, making use of both the good and the evil, will engage in a fierce battle to destroy it. Since this poor country will lack the Catholic spirit, the sacrament of extreme unction will be little valued. Many people will die without receiving it, either because of the negligence of their families or misconceived affection for their sick ones. Others, incited by the cursed devil, will rebel against the spirit of the Catholic Church and will deprive countless souls of innumerable graces, consolations, and the strength they need to make the great leap from time to eternity. But some persons will die without receiving it due to just and secret chastisements of God. As for the sacrament of matrimony, which symbolizes the union of Christ with his church, it will be attacked and deeply profaned. Freemasonry, which will then be in power, will enact iniquitous laws with the aim of doing away with this sacrament, making it easy for everyone to live in sin and encouraging the procreation of illegitimate children born without the blessing of the church. The Catholic spirit will rapidly decay. The precious light of faith will gradually be extinguished until there will be an almost total and general corruption of customs. Added to this will be the effects of secular education, 
which will be one reason for the death of priestly and religious vocations. The sacrament of holy orders will be ridiculed, oppressed, and despised. For in this sacrament, the Church of God, and even God himself, is scorned and despised, since he is represented in his priests. The devil will try to persecute the ministers of the Lord in every possible way. He will labor with cruel and subtle astuteness to deviate them from the spirit of their vocation, and will corrupt many of them. These depraved priests, who will scandalize the Christian people, will make the hatred of bad Catholics and the enemies of the Roman Catholic and Apostolic Church fall upon all priests. This apparent triumph of Satan will bring enormous suffering to the good pastors of the Church, the many good priests and the supreme pastor and victor of Christ on earth, who, a prisoner in the Vatican, will shed secret and bitter tears in the presence of his God and Lord, beseeching light, sanctity, and perfection for all the clergy of the world, of whom he is king and father. Further, in these unhappy times, there will be a bridal luxury, which will ensnare the, the rest into sin and conquer innumerable frivolous souls who will be lost. Innocence will almost no longer be found in children, nor modesty in women. In this supreme moment of need of the church, the one who should speak, will fall silent. You will see this from heaven, my beloved daughter, where you can no longer suffer, but your daughters and successors will suffer, those beloved souls already known to you who will placate the divine ire. They will have recourse to me under the invocation of Our Lady of Good Success, whose statue I ask and command that you have made for the consolation and preservation of my convent and of the faithful souls at that time. An epoch when there will be a great devotion to me, for I am queen of heaven under many invocations. This devotion will be the shield between divine justice and the prevaricating world to prevent the release of God's formidable punishment that this guilty earth desires. This very day, when morning breaks, you should go to the bishop and tell him that I have asked and commanded you to have my image sculpted and be placed at the head of my convent, so that under this title I may take possession of that which belongs to me. As proof that what you say is true, tell him that he will die within two years and two months, and that he should begin to prepare himself for the day of eternity, for this death will be violent. You should consecrate my statue with holy oil and give it the name of Mary of Good Success and of Purification, or Candlemas. On this solemn occasion, he himself should place the keys of the cloister together with the crozier in the right hand of my statue as proof that the government of the spouse of my most holy son has been entrusted to me and that they should surrender all their concerns to my, my maternal and loving protection. Then, at that moment, I will take complete possession of this, my house, and I will be obliged to keep it safe and free from all turmoil until the end of time, demanding from my daughters a continuous spirit of charity and sacrifice. With this, along with humility, obedience, patience, silent recollection, and continual prayer, this house and community will be sustained. All their needs and requests will be heeded with a daily practice of these virtues. 
This applies to each one of my daughters who will live in these blessed cloisters until the end of time. Now, be docile to my exhortations and command without delay that my statue be sculpted just as you see me and hasten to set in the place I indicated. I will see to the perfection of this work. The archangels Gabriel, Michael, and Raphael will take charge secretly of making my statue. You should call Francisco de Castillo, who knows this art well, and give him a succinct description of my features, exactly as you see me today and always, because it was for you this end that I have appeared so many times to you. Mother Mariana, with the help of the Virgin Mary, measured again with her cord the height of Our Lady of Good Success. Fifth Apparition of Our Lady On February 2nd, 1610, at 1.30 a.m., Mother Mariana was praying near the grill in the upper choir, meditating on the humility of Mary, the Most Holy, and the sublime mystery of the purification. When she resolved to conclude her prayer and retire, suddenly she felt herself overcome by a joy intermixed with fear and immediately saw herself in the presence of Our Lady of Good Success, who was looking at her with amiable severity without saying a single word. To the worries of Mother Mariana, Our Lady said, Hard-hearted and long-delayed creature, with the making of my statue, I will favor not only you and my convent, but also the people and the general public through the centuries. Since this convent is a fortress, it will bring salvation for many souls, drawing them from the abyss of sin in which they find themselves. God will be glorified in those souls, how many conversions it will bring about. Do you want to be responsible for the loss of so many souls by remaining deaf to my voice and command? Beautiful lady, responded Mother Mariana, your reprimand is most just, and I receive it humbly before God. But permit me to tell you my fears and request a grace, which, as a mother, you will not be able to deny me. The fear that I present is this, since the people of this land are so inclined to idolatry, this might prove an occasion for them to deliver themselves to this practice. The grace that I ask is that you will hide my name so that only you, as a sovereign and queen that you are, might be glorified and I always hidden. Also, I ask that you give me your measurement once again, so that I can be certain at least of your height, since it would be impossible to represent your features, even if your holy stature were carved by angelic spirits. The Queen of Heaven responded, Beloved daughter of my heart, your humility pleases me. Go as soon as possible to speak with the bishop and tell him, on my part, what I ordered and told you at our last meeting. Make haste in commanding my statue to be sculpted, for time is flying, and only two years of life remain for the presently governing bishop, who has been chosen to consecrate my statue with holy oil and place it in the spot I have designated. Tell him, moreover, that in his final agony, we, I and you, will be there at his side to assist him in the final transit. If he asks how you will come to find yourself there, tell him that nothing is impossible with God and his most holy mother, for they are the absolute masters of all creatures. 
As for your request that your name be hidden, this pleases me, and I will do as you have asked. Tell the bishop that it is my will and the will of my most holy son that your name be hidden at all costs, both within as well as outside the cloister. For it is not fitting for anyone at the present time to know the details or origin of how this statue came to be made. For this knowledge will only become known to the general public in the 20th century. During that epoch, the church will find herself attacked by terrible hordes of the Masonic sect, and this poor Ecuadorian land will be agonizing because of the corrupt customs unbridled luxury, the impious press, and secular education. The vices of, of impurity, blasphemy, and sacrilege will dominate in this time of depraved desolation, and that one sh who would speak out will be silent. Know, beloved daughter, that when your name will become known in the 20th century, there will be many who will not believe, claiming that this devotion is not pleasing to God. But the great sufferings of my daughters and yours of this time will make a melodious concert of humility and hidden penance for my most holy son and myself. The divine spouse and I, his loving mother, and you also will watch over our daughters from heaven and guide them on the correct path that leads to paradise. What will cause these favored daughters the greatest pain will be the doubt of their own sisters, who will increase their sufferings, but also their merit. A simple, humble faith in the truth of my apparitions to you, my favorite child, will be reserved for humble and, and fervent should who are docile to the inspirations of grace. For our Heavenly Father communicates his secrets to the simple of heart and not to those whose hearts are inflated with pride, pretending to know what they do not or infatuated with empty science. Do not worry about the features of my statue. For it will be completed as I desire for the elevated ends for which the statue is destined. Now, hand me the end of the cord that you wear around your waist, the symbol of the purity of the spouse of the divine Jesus, so that I may hold it to my forehead. Touch the other end to my right foot, and you will have the measurement of my height marked by the length of this cord. Instantly, the humble religious, filled with confidence in and loving gratitude to the Blessed Virgin, took the cord that she wore around her waist and offered one of its ends to, the, to her blessed mother while she touched the other end to the foot of Our Lady. The cord stretched as if it were elastic until it reached the height of the Queen of Heaven and Earth. When she raised her eyes to contemplate the forehead of her mother, she saw the divine child was standing and holding the end of the cord that touched the forehead of his blessed mother. Then, extending his small, gracious hand, he handed the cord to Mother Mariana, saying, My beloved spouse, here you have the measurement of the height of my most holy mother that you desired. Conserve it reverently, for I desire that many spouses I will have here throughout the centuries should measure themselves by it. The measurement has already been given, and do you know how I desire that they be measured? I shall measure their humility, their silence, their charity, their patience, and their love for me and my blessed mother, in whom all should see themselves mirrored. And as Christians and even more as religious, I desire that they have my spirit in every act of their lives. 
My spirit is one of patience, meekness, abnegation, and total abandonment to the divine will. Let them serve me with diligence and disinterest, abandoning even their eternal happiness to the loving will of my divine heart.